Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle Land. Lawson. Lawson. How are you this morning? I'm fantastic. What are you thankful for? I went to the beach yesterday. That's fantastic. That is the. Was, uh-huh. there, was there any sand? There was a little bit of sand. I need to look at comparison photos to see how much sand we've lost. We went to Bar Beach and it definitely looks smaller. Like, yes. Because we've, apparently we've lost like a billion... Billion tons of sand. Billion tons of sand or something. Off Newcastle like. Beaches. Yeah. That's crazy. It's a massive amount of sand. But it still looked good. There was sand there. between your toes. You there got- was sand. There was water. There was the sunshine. It was hot. You didn't get sunburned. I didn't get sunburned. I wore was, I was sunscreen. You lathered well, up. Which is, you know... Few and far between for well, all that lily so white skin. I am like the most pale person ever, and then I went out in the sun, <laughs> and for once in my life, I didn't get sunburned. So that's what I'm actually that's grateful super for. Positive. I could, I went out in the sun and didn't get sunburned. I put actually, I was wearing this like really expensive sunscreen that I borrowed from someone. I think that's what it was. Because yes. usually, man, I can put a billion years worth of sunscreen on. I can put so much sunscreen on and still get burnt under moonlight. Oh man, I'm yeah, I'm frying. I'm, man, I'm frying under these fluoros that we have in the that we have in the office that we have in the studio. So, man, it's it's a, it's a tough it's a tough gig, but you know I got through it and and lived my best life yesterday. That is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> well, seeing as you went to the beach yesterday, let's find out whether there's any more sun around the place. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is the breakfast show here on Faith FM, which means that we are about to have our pentathlon quiz. And the first question is coming your way right now. For 100 points, what lodging place in Bethlehem turned away Joseph and his very expectant wife, Mary? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you do know the answer, you can win for 100 points, a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker. Or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz and enter every single question correctly and win every single prize. But again, for 100 points, it was what lodging place in Bethlehem turned away Joseph and his very expectant wife, Mary. Now, uh, I was actually the narrator for a nativity story when I was in, I think I was in like year four or five, and there was a song about this and it was like, there's no room in the... And then that, that word that we're looking for. And I would, I would kind of intro by saying, and Mary and Joseph, they came into Bethlehem, but there was no room in the blank. And then they would start singing the song. So good, good memory from, from growing up. Um, but anyways, right now we're going to get into some, some positively different news. Um, well. Yes, are you let's ready? talk about it. Positively, positively different, positively news. different news this morning. So, so what news do you have for us? I don't have anything for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's right. All right. Yeah, okay. I remember. I'm supposed to bring yeah, yeah, yeah. the positively different news. Okay. Well, I have some cool stories. I have some really, really cool stories. Ooh, which one should I talk about first? Okay. The first one. Remember how last week we're talking about like energy and solar energy and the, the thought specifically come up, like, why can't everyone put a wind turbine in their yes. backyard? Yes. Because like, Yes. Then you can make power at nighttime. That's right. And I'm pretty sure you brought up a story of someone who got asked to stop doing that. And this is the, absolutely, this is the problem because in domestic households, the bulk of your electricity is used at night, not during the day. Mm-hmm. And so solar panels make a lot of good, a lot of sense for industry, 
but not for domestic homes. Mm-hmm. Wind power is make is going to make much more sense for domestic homes if you actually want to do something practical that's going to, or more practical mm-hmm. that is going to, you know, affect the amount of you know coal that we're burning to create electricity and so forth. Then uh, encourage all types of renewable energies, not only those types that are going to make you money. Yeah, that's right. And essentially, if you don't have wind power, then you need to get like massive lithium batteries. batteries. Lithium batteries, and they are nasty things. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. In fact, they catch fire every now and then and burn your house down. Oh, oh man, totally. Uh, But, okay, Stanford University has solved this problem. Right. You know how they've solved this problem? No. They've created solar panels that charge at nighttime. No way. Yep, yep. Solar panels that make electricity at nighttime. I did joke about you getting burned under moonlight, but but that's not actually actually a thing. It's not actually a thing. What do you mean? Like some burned under moonlight. Well, like I don't, I don't think so. But right here, no. So this is how it works. Okay, so it, during the day, it's a regular solar panel. Okay, right. but during the night, they have this like thermoelectric system in there um, that essentially, like, when the you know drops down to sun its and am- sun goes down, drops down to its like ambient night temperature. Yes. Um, there's always like a couple couple degree differential between the air itself and any surface that you touch. Yes. Usually, surfaces are colder than the, the ambient air. That's right. Um, and then when there's sun shining on them, the surfaces are hotter than the ambient air. That's, yeah, kind that's of right. How how it goes? Well, they have found a way to harvest the power from that gradient, from that difference in temperature using a thermoelectric thingy. So your solar panel is going to be colder than the air. Uh-huh. And this is going to... Okay, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to, in some way, make power. Okay, so this is this is how they're described. I'm going to read this because I, I want to be able to describe this. Okay. At night, the solar cells radiate and lose heat to the sky, reaching temperatures a few degrees below the ambient air. The device under development uses a thermoelectric module to generate voltage and current from the temperature gradient between the cell and the air. This process depends on the thermo, uh, thermal design of the system, which includes a hot side and a cold side. Still didn't explain to me how it happens. Yeah, well, that's how it happens, Lyle. And uh, okay, <laughs> this is obviously only going to take place once the panels get colder than the air. So there's going to be yeah. a, there's going to be a gap in the middle uh-huh. where they are the same temperature, and that's where you need your wind turbine or your <laughs> okay, or your okay, okay, or yeah. your. All right, we know which wheelbarrow Lyle's pushing here. It's or like, your hydro system. Oh, that's yeah. This is my favorite. Your big hydro system. I dude, I could build an epic hydro system at my place. Yeah, because I live on a hill. Yeah, my backyard has a you hill. You could build an epic system. Put a tank at the top. Put a tank at the bottom. Uh huh. The water runs from the top tank to the bottom tank all night long. Mm-hmm. Then the sun comes up, and the sun pumps the water back up to the top with your solar powered pump. Uh huh. And then you run it back down at night. Simple as that. Genius. Pumped hydro. That is awesome. You could, should, you could absolutely do. do that. There is no question you could absolutely do that. But I'm sure, place. like, this technology... Your, ha- your house is, is ideal for it because you've got a very short, steep slope uh-huh. so that your uh, hydro generator, which is at the bottom of the hill, is not going to be a long distance from your house. Okay. You know, it's not going to be, like, a kilometre away uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. to get enough... It's, like, right there. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Man, let's okay. We're we're drawing up the plans. We're going to build a hydro. I'm I'm just like come home one day and I'm like (laughs) driving like a truck with two massive tanks on the back. I'm like, Dad, I'm building something. Leave me alone. (laughs) Like it's going to be good. (laughs) That's so awesome. Oh, dude, let's go. But 
Okay, I think this technology is going to get better and ultimately obsolete whatever we're talking about now. Because if you can have a solar panel that charges at day and at night time, then... Okay, but is it going to... How much does electricity is going to charge at night time? I mean, with that temperature differentiation, it should be able to do the same during the day when the panels are hotter than the ambient temperature. Yeah, yeah that's right. So you should get more efficiency during the day, uh-huh. but you're not going to get the same efficiency at night. Well... Surely not. They're going to make it work, well. I'm they get, super I, keen for this. I believe. I believe in them. All right, uh, my next story. Okay, this is about drugs. This is about drugs doing good things. Okay. Well, not actually. This, the stopping of drugs. That was kind of a lie. Well, essentially... Um, are we talking about recreational drugs? Are we talking about we are talking about recreational okay. drugs. All right, let's get rid of um, that. Yeah, that, that's e- exactly what's going on, Lyle. Cool. So, in Mexico, specifically in the Durango area, um, there's the, it's like the golden triangle of opium. Yes. And, and marijuana and all this stuff. Uh, and they grow lots of stuff there, and it's illicit and illegal and... You know, and whatnot. the cartels run the country. That's right. That's right. But in this specific area, there is a lot of like residents and communities, you know, who are in this forestry system, um, who have decided to forego their potential ill-gotten gains from the drug market um, and replace it with a business in sustainable forestry. Nice. So basically, they have been aided by a company that is kind of a subsidiary of the UN, um, who has come in and and for the last like forty years, given them some advice and you know thinking like, okay, what about your? Is this really what you want the future of your communities to be? Because like, as much as you've got like hectic, you know, savage cartels, you also just have people, who- people who want to live and eat and provide for yeah. their family and. That's Be right. Good, sane, sane, sober, moral individuals. That's right. And, you know, where their previous opportunities might have come from aiding the cartels and, you know, because they live in this area where all of these, you know, this potential is for, for growing and selling illicit materials. Instead, now, um, yeah, they've just fully gotten into this sustainable forest industry and they're growing like conifers and all kinds of things there and chopping them down and selling them off and making money and everyone's happy. And so this has been taking place now and there's four different communities that this particular uh, forest has like, you know, groups of people, different towns and whatnot, um, basically adding up to around 10,500 different families. And these tree nurseries and whatnot that they're building um, is just sustaining all of them. It's a blessing to all of these communities. And yeah, so... Essentially, they've been able to turn something terrible. Uh, well, this is the thing. Like, this area is, like, amazing. Like, it's a blessing from God. Like, it has all of this potential for growth, all this amazing soil, all this forestry, and it was used completely to do terrible things, to ruin people's lives, essentially, by growing drugs and all these kind of things. And they've completely turned it around. And now they're using it for good. You know, uh, when you have these nurseries and tree farms and whatnot, and then you cut down the trees and regrow them and sell that wood to make buildings to live in and do all kinds of things, make cool chairs and whatever it may be. Like, this is the perfect model right here. And they've had help from this, uh, like, UN subsidiary that's come in to be able to, you know, make a system for them that would work um, and would keep it sustainable so that they wouldn't overforest and whatnot and help them set up this, this plant, uh, th- these farms. But ultimately... Ultimately, this is amazing. This is an amazing story of something terrible turning into something good and being a blessing to everyone. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
it is time for the 200-point question for the quiz. Lawson's going to bring it to you. All right, for 200 points, a woman was brought before Jesus to try and trick him into approving her stoning. What was the sin she had been caught in? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. 200 points, you can win yourself an issue of Science Magazine or get those points on the board, make your way through the quiz, get every question correct, win every single prize. But again, this question is, a woman was brought before Jesus to try and trick him into approving her stoning. What was the sin she had been caught in? There you go. Give us a call if you know the answer. Well, let's talk about Lent this morning. And, of course, Lent is a very, very old practice. Lent goes back around about 4,000 years. It predates Christianity by about 2,000 years. A lot of people don't realize that today. Lent goes back to the time of one of the first great rebellions, or if not the first great rebellion that took place after the flood. It was was, uh, led by a man by the name of Nimrod. Mm -hmm. Nimrod founded the first empire that was built on the principles of globalism. He is, according to history, the person who invented warfare. Mm. He went out and conquered other nations. Of course, this is as nations are beginning to develop you know, in the very early you know, proto-nation stage of you know, tribes and so forth. He uh, formed large cities, built the Tower of Babel. He did all of these things as a part of his rebellion against God. He set himself up as being God in mm. the place of God. And he was married to a very famous woman by the name of Ishtar. Now, of course, when Nimrod was killed, uh, he was killed because of, well, according to, once again, according to history and tradition, he was killed because of his wickedness against God. Ishtar continued to rule the kingdom that he had established. This is, of course, in the Euphrates and Tigris Valley. Mm-hmm. So she continues to rule, and part of her rule was that she claimed that Nimrod had ascended to the sun and continued to rule from the sun, and the sun was now, and thus you find the origin of sun worship, which is completely universal around the world. Mm. So, you know, we've talked about some things that are universal around the world. Last week in our Bible study, we talked about how the worship of the serpent, the snake, is universal around the world. The the worship of the sun is even more universal. Mm. And all of these date back to the same individual. Now, of course, Ishtar, after some time, was found to found herself to be pregnant, but it was a little bit too long after Nimrod had died. And so that raised some questions. She immediately claimed immaculate conception and claimed that the Nimrod in the sun had impregnated her and that the child she was going to give birth to would be the son of the sun in the sky. Wow. In other words, the son of God. Uh-huh. She proclaimed herself as a result of that as the mother of God and the queen of mm-hmm. heaven. Took those titles upon herself, of course. Many of you have probably heard those titles. And because the sun was taken as a symbol uh, of Nimrod, she claimed the moon. Oh, okay. So many of you have probably seen symbolism, particularly if you've travelled through the cathedrals of Europe and so forth, with a woman whose symbol is... The moon. Mm. So this all took place. This was this was uh, Ishtar, and of course she gave birth to a son. His name was Tammuz, and he was killed, according to once again uh, history and tradition, in a hunting accident with a wild boar. Mm-hmm. Ishtar mourned for him for a period of forty days. This accident took place forty days before her annual festival. Mm. Uh, her annual festival, of course, uh, took place in the uh, spring equinox, and it followed the cycle of the moon. Mm-hmm. And as it followed the cycle of the moon, it would vary, you know, by up to six weeks from one year to the next. 
Now, she ended her period of mourning 40 days after she began that period of mourning because of the time for annual festival. You can't be mm. mourning during your annual festival. And, of course, this was a festival that was uh, basically a fertility festival. That was what it was focused upon. And thus began the practice of Lent, 40 days of fasting, 40 days of mourning in the lead-up to Ishtar's festival, which, of course, we uh, call Easter today. You might wonder why we have uh, hot cross buns. Uh, the cross and the bun comes from the tea of Tammuz. Mm. It's a very ancient letter. has been around for a very long time. That's its origin, in case you were wondering. And so there's a lot of traditions that have built up around you know, Easter that have nothing to do with Christianity. Uh, they have a lot to do with paganism. Mm. Now, there is some things that take you know that we remember at Easter that is very much is central to Christianity. The, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, of course, is central to Christianity. And if this is an opportunity that we have to be able to share that with people around our world, we need to grab that opportunity with both hands and run with it. But there are some things that has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with the Bible. Uh, eggs, for instance, are a fertility symbol. They predate Christian, Christianity. They go back to the, you know, the worship of Ishtar. Mm. Chickens, once again, rabbits. These are all symbols associated with Easter. And the reason they're associated with Easter is because of their fertility. Mm. They're symbols of fertility. Now, of course, Lent, you won't find that anywhere in the Bible. And because of that, you find that uh, Lent today is practiced in the Roman Catholic Church. It's practiced in Orthodox churches. Uh, it's practiced in the Anglican Church, in High Church Anglicanism. And not very much outside of that, uh, Lutheranism, Lutheranism, you know, some to some extent, it has certainly come into Methodism, although it never used to be a part of mm. Methodism. What's interesting now is to see it coming into evangelical Christianity. Wow. So these are your non-traditional, even anti-traditional churches who have said, you know, we're just going to go by the Bible and the Bible alone, and because Lent is not in the Bible, we're not going to practice Lent. And particularly because they've looked at it like this is just a pagan thing, you know, this is yeah. you know, this is just been this is Christianized paganism that we're dealing mm. with right here. And so that has never been a part of evangelical Christianity, and even most mainline Protestant denominations have not made it a major part, if any part, of their Christianity. But we're seeing a rise now where, well, in some areas you've got about 20% of evangelical Christians are practicing Lent as a spiritual discipline. Wow. And this sort of makes me wonder because to me it seems to be all heading one direction and that is in the direction of Revelation chapter 13 because those who practice it are saying, you know, the most beautiful thing about this is, you know, the ecumenical feel that it gives because, you know, this is all Christians coming together, you know, in, and, and which sounds great. Ooh, except, does it though? <laughs> except, except I've read Revelation 13. I know what Revelation 13 says. <laughs> The Bible talks about all religions and all Christianities uniting together just before the return of Jesus Christ and it going very badly. Yeah. So that worries me. Um, moving on from there, or well, on that same subject, mm. uh, the United Church of Christ uh, in Oak, Oak River, I think it is, in Chicago has just, well, they have, um, they're celebrating their, their Lenten fast and created a, tr a tremendous amount of controversy because they are, in their Lenten fast, they're having a fast from, and this is what you really shouldn't do. You shouldn't match Christianity and bring it into cringe. Mm. A fast from whiteness. I saw this. I saw this, and I cringed. I was like, Now, you're white. Wow. I'm not white. 
But it makes me cringe as a brown person. <laughs> I'm only slightly brown, but I'm brown. <laughs> he, he's brown claiming brown. it. He's I'm claiming, claiming it. it. I identify as it. Uh-huh. Okay, so, you know, the, this is um, has called massive controversy. In fact, it caused so much controversy that the church system was receiving over five voicemails per minute before it melted down. Wow. And just crashed. Was it just people complaining? Like oh, people so upset. Yeah. Because you you start something racial like this, yeah, and it's going to create so much anger and hatred. And but this is the thing; it's like kind of like like they've gone like the woke route, yes. But it's just backfired on them. Like, well, you know, you know, if you go down this path, mm-hmm. you are just going to bring Christianity into massive discredit amongst a huge section mm-hmm. of the population mm-hmm. because you have completely politicized. That's Something right. that should never be politicized. Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't white. We all know that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't black either. He was somewhere in between. He was closer than my color. He was like Middle Eastern. You want to know? He was. He was Middle Eastern. Yeah. Oh, by the way, while you, you, you're like, he's closer to my color. Yeah, you know, it was right. it was the people of that color that crucified <laughs> Jesus. <Lyle>. Yes. Well, <laughs> anyway, uh, so. Of course, they've got a whole bunch of activities that are taking place as they have this fast from whiteness. They're not singing any hymns that were written by uh, white oh, people. Get they're, out, bro. They're doing classes on um, critical race theory for the adults and for the children. Um, you know, and, and I'm just thinking, okay, guys, can we please keep politics? If you're going to have Easter, spend some time remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ Amen. and what that means for us. Share that with the people around you. Don't politicize it like this. You know how much controversy mm. this has created for the last you know, couple of years in the United States. This is such a terrible idea that we just do not need right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, But right now we have our 300-point clue for the quiz, and the question is, what is the last of the ninefold fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5? Now, you can give us a call or a text at 0491-064-669, and you can win our 300-point prize, which is a pocket sermon, or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz, and win every single prize if you get every single question correct. But again, that clue was, what is the last of the ninefold fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians Chapter 5. Joining us on the phone this morning is Jared Stackelroth from Signs of the Times magazine for a monthly update. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lyle. Glad to be here. And, of course, we've come to that time where we talk about the next edition of Signs. We get a bit of a sneak preview to some of the articles that are in there, and we find out what is exciting happening in the world of Signs. Where are we going to start our conversation today? Well, let's start with our cover story, Lyle, which is um, about Easter. Obviously, Easter falls in the month of April this year, and we've got an article titled Living in the In-Between. One of our designers has done a really striking illustration of Jesus for the front cover, so we're hoping that yeah attracts people to pick it up. But the author is dealing with that time, especially on Easter Saturday, between sort of Friday and Sunday, which we have a lot of, get a lot of publicity, Good Friday, and obviously Easter Sunday, there's a lot of things happening. But on that Saturday, while we believe Jesus was in the grave, how people were feeling, experiencing, thinking, and, and why why Saturday is in some ways just as important in, in the story. That's actually a really important, as you say, neglected subject in relationship to Easter. I guess one of the thoughts that pops into my mind, I do hear from time to time Christians who think that Jesus went to hell on 
that Saturday, which is a pretty radical thought and pretty out of context with you know the passage that they are drawing it from. Does your author get into that aspect at all, or does he mostly focus on what the Saturday is actually really all about? Not so much into that end of it, Lyle, but more of the idea of being together in grief and in loss and, and being a bit confused, more the reaction of the disciples and even us in our present day. There are a lot of times in our lives between victory or the beauty and the amazement of the Sunday, which is the risen sort of rising in our lives, and, and the Friday, which is the tragedy and the loss. Sometimes we, we find ourselves in sort of limbo, <laughs> not in a place called limbo, but I guess in our lives struggling with some of these things like grief and loss. And we can stay in some of those seasons for quite some time. And she just reflect on between the highs and the lows, living in some of those spaces and surviving, but also knowing that Christ has gone before us into those places and, and has experienced in many ways the universe during that Saturday experience, the loss of Jesus. There was this limbo place. And, and yeah, it's a really... It's a really hard place for some people to be in and, and, you know, I'm sure we've all experienced that, that waiting or that disappointment or that struggle and yeah, coming out of that and, and, and recognizing that there is hope, there is encouragement to be had, but we're not necessarily there yet. You know, things will get better. I heard someone, a speaker on the weekend saying, if things are not better yet, it's not the end. <laughs> Um, that things will get better in the end. That's a really good approach because when we look at the Easter story, we certainly see a lot of shattered hopes and disappointment. It's hard to even imagine what the disciples are experiencing on that Saturday. And we often go through times of shattered hopes and disappointments. And I guess the moral of the story, the lesson of the story is here that the resurrection day is coming. And mm. You know, even for, I guess, the biggest griefs that we suffer is when we lose loved ones. And once again, the message right here that there is a resurrection day coming. Things are going to get better. God is going to sort out this world. There is hope for the future. That's right, yeah. And it's a really, I think that's what gives me a lot of encouragement and a lot of faith with my Christian journey. It's like things will get better. There is there is an ultimate victory that Christ has already won for us, but we're going to get to this place of, you know, no more crying, no more tears, no more death, and and it's a wonderful hope to look forward to. Yes, we, yesterday we had um, we had Etienne McClintock on the show from Voice of the Martyrs, talking about persecution from various different places in the world, and you know, mm. people that are giving their life for their faith and suffering tremendous amount of persecution. And it's this kind of message that I think has a very powerful impact at this time of year when you know we stop and remind ourselves. And you see those examples of people; they have recognised that there is something better than this planet. And that things are going to get better and God is ultimately in control. And, you know, those tremendous stories of faith can encourage us at this time as well. I think this is a really important story for us to cover this Easter. Mm. One that I haven't seen covered before. And you've got, you've, you've triggered in my mind all kinds of sermon possibilities there, Jared. And this is one of the things, this is one of the things I love (laughs) about Signs of the Times magazine is that I can get triggered with ideas as like, okay, there's a thought. I can, I can run with that. I can take that. I can share that with somebody else. Yeah, no, that's for sure what the purpose of the magazine is to share, to share with others and to help, you know, spread, spread those good messages. I guess related to that story, Lyle, there's, um, one called Birth Pains and Earthquakes and it's just reminiscing on the, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the end of time, you know, and with 
war and, and, and pandemics and things, a lot of people might be turning their minds to, is this, is this the end? Is everything going and getting worse and worse? And there's a verse in the Bible that relates the end of, of time or some of the struggles leading up to it, to birth pains, to the earth sort of groaning in, in, in labor to bring forth something again something new, something to look forward to, something encouraging, uh, the birth of a new baby. But there's some pain and some difficulty to go through before we get there. And so we've got another author reflecting on those verses and what we can look for at the end of time, what we need to think about and know is coming. And again, from an encouraging perspective, this um, young lady has recently lived through the, there was an unexpected sort of earthquake in Victoria that was quite high. Usually, if there are earthquakes in Melbourne, they're quite small. I remember there was one when I was living there and just rattled a little bit, but didn't didn't feel it too too much. But yeah, that sort of triggered again for this lady some thoughts around earthquakes is listed as a sign of of the end, but some of the other things. So yeah, true to our name, signs of the times. There's a there's an exploration of that topic which is quite interesting as well. Yeah, I love I love the fact that Jesus included birth pains into that passage because without Without that clarification of birth pains, we would say, well, there's always been wars and rumours of wars and pestilences and pandemics and diseases and earthquakes in different places around the world. What's what's new about that? But when, when Jesus describes his birth pains, you've got that escalation because, you know, birth pains, they kind of start off at a particular point and they're kind of far apart and they're kind of mild and then they, they J-curve upwards. They get closer together, they get more intense and you've got this yeah. process of going through pain to a blessed event. And that's what we've got to focus on. And I think that's what, you know, probably every mother focuses on when they're going through that pain is, and, and I really have no idea because, I, you know, you and I have only <laughs> ever been observers to this, but um, yeah, I'm right. sure that there is a focusing on the joy that comes afterwards. And when you see that, that, that new mother that is, you know, once, once they've recovered and they're holding that baby and feeding that baby and the pure love that just, you know, exudes from that whole scene, you know, is such a uh, illustration of what Jesus wants for us. And, and sure, there's, we're going to go through pain, but there's going to be amazing experiences and love and blessings at the end of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, yeah, our author does a real good job of, of tackling um, that issue. Another re- story that I, I really enjoyed in this month's Signs um, it's being, it's talking about how being plant-based can save the world. Um, not a, not an overstatement, but yeah, eating our way to a better world, which I think sounds great. Um, but our author just looks at some of the trends in, in healthy eating and how, you know, plants are not only good for your health, but good for the environment, good for the animals and can, can, yeah, really make an impact in, in living in a better life. Um, living a better life for everyone, um, and we've even got a sidebar in there with some some good um, alternative plant-based foods that people can access um, if they're interested in in making some substitutions, making some life changes. So, uh, another really informative um, and practical story. Yeah, and and, and these are um, these are these are the kind of stories that you know we we, we need to talk about. You know. Particularly with um, you know our um, our health and so forth. What else you got happening in the magazine there, Jared? Yeah, so we've got um, the 
how to avoid toxic positivity um, from some scholars who have studied sort of <laughs> the idea of um, yeah, yeah around psychology um, being overly excessively happy um, and trying to force that on in, in our lives. Um, some of the dangers of that and, and being around people who, who do that all the time and feeling, I guess, inadequate because other people are putting on this, this brave front, front um, which we see on social media a lot. Uh, and so I guess uh, a balanced sort of look at, at, at that. Um, is it interesting, also, is it, it's interesting to, to, yeah. to go into that one because, you know, if I think back to the 90s, you know, we were always being bombarded with the power of positivity and the power of positive thinking and, you know, mm. focus on positive and be positive all the time. And if you think positively about things, then you will achieve them. Uh, whereas now there's indication that that can go too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if we if we reject sort of the idea of um, difficulty in life, then when it does hit, um, we're not going to be able to deal with it. There's no resilience or, or preparedness for that. I think the authors sort of put their toes into that topic. So that's an interesting read. Um, also, one of our authors looks at regret. And, and I don't know about you, Lyle, if you've ever done anything that you have regretted after the event. <laughs> I, think, sure. I think we've all been there at some point or another. <laughs> I'm sure if we're breathing and human, we have. Um, and so, yeah, the author looks at freedom from some of those feelings. How do we how do we get freedom from um, some of our shame and some of our regrets in our lives uh, and, and become what the Bible calls a new creation? Um, what does that look like in our lives? How, how can we access that, that sort of power? Um, and we've also got a great interview with Tim Costello, who has headed um, World Vision and a number of other um, Christian charities. Um, yeah, we've got some reflections from him on on faith and, and life and helping others. And um, yeah, really good. Really, um, Nathan Brown has done a really good write up um, with Tim Costello about some of the things that yeah, he sees as as priorities going forward. So. Certainly a well-known name and a high-profile interview right there with Tim Costello and with some famous relatives as well. Yep, yep. So, so yeah, quite a lot of different things in, in the issue. Um, obviously, there's always more we could we could talk about and unpack, but um, one thing that I do want to sort of mention this, this time is we've just set up a digital subscription for Signs of the Times. So if you go to signsofthetimes.org.au, you can actually... Um, hit our subscribe tab, and you've got an option not only to get the print magazine, but also to get a PDF each month of the the magazine. That's nice. I mean, that's, you know, the way things are going these days. I mean, so much is done digitally. I would imagine that you'd have much more digital interaction with Science Magazine than paper interaction these days. Oh, well, we've only just set up the, the subscription, so we don't have too many subscribers just yet, but we, we are getting a lot more traffic on the website. Um, yeah, we've got a decent subscription, paper subscription list, and we're hoping to have the digital subscription for those who perhaps for whatever reason can't access the paper one, um, whether they're overseas to areas that we don't ship or, or for whatever other reason. Yeah, there might be, um, conveniences in having a digital. There's still nothing like sharing the paper copy with Absolutely. friends and families or having it, having it there in your office, um, so people can see it when they, they visit. Um, but, for anyone who wants a personal subscription just to read through and engage with some of our content, we've now got that digital option as well. So, yeah, expanding our 
offerings to people, and yeah, very excited about that. And the the URL for the the, the portal for all things Signs of the Times. Where do we go? signsofthetimes.org.au signsofthetimes.org.au there you go there you've got it that was Jared Stackeroff from signsofthetimes.org.au um, encourage everybody to head over there and you'll be blessed by the articles and information that you can access through Signs of the Times right now we're going to uh, have this song followed by the 8 o'clock news and then it will be into Bible study time you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM